Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. We definitely have some challenges. We do. It's important that every dollar we spend, we spend it wisely. That it's not on a guy that uh, he didn't pan out. Because I don't know that we're going to be able to have some spare. You know what? Let's take two and a half million, take a shot on this guy. If we put two and a half million, he better help us win. It's from yesterday, Brandon Bean, Bills GM. He went for quite a while yesterday. What was his total time, Joe? I mean, both him and McDermott went for like an hour each. Yeah, I they actually... Were, they were there a long time. I don't know what the exact timing was, but working out with uh, Josh before we we uh, had them mm-hmm. on yesterday, and we were trying to figure out like timing and like when to put breaks and whatnot. Yep. So I looked back at the last two years. I'm like, how long has he gone before? And it's like an hour every year. I'm like, you should probably plan on this Mm -hmm. being at least like 55 minutes. Bean went for exactly 63 minutes. See, yeah, so he about about on the mark from uh, what we thought, I guess. Look at that, Josh. Good job. How much did McDermott go for? Do we have that? You have that too? Probably. 39 minutes and one second. Okay. 39 for McDermott, 63 for Bean. They, yeah, I mean... Generally, I mean, I've been down there every year for these things, and mm-hmm. they don't, like, leave if you have more questions. You know what I mean? Like, it's generally, like, looking around, nobody has any more questions, you leave. And, you know, to me, just, you know, that's that's a good thing, and I appreciate that. I always leave then wondering, oh, did we ask this or that? I think we got a lot of clarity on a lot of things that at least maybe they're not going to give you the exact details on, right? Like, are you going to cut Jordan Poyer? That's not going to happen, but I do think that you we got a good sense of maybe what they're thinking heading to the offseason so let's kind of kick around some things that stood out today here on the extra point show from yesterday's uh sean mcdermott and brandon beans postseason press conferences sal capaccio sneaky joe dibiase with you on a wednesday morning here all right so we're gonna have matt bove by the way in about an hour and we'll get matt's perspective on that and the Disastrous um, second period and loss for the Sabres last night. My gosh. I mean, I I, I did actually stay up into yeah. the third period. I missed all the Sabres goals, Joe. Wow, you made I it. I went to bed before that. I It was about nine minutes left, and I'm like, okay, that's over. I'm going to bed. Did you make it through, you made it through that, that second period? I did. Man, I did. That second period was so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> I know. 
It was awful watching it, but I made it through. Part of it wow. was I, I kept myself occupied with Sabres stuff. I mean, sorry, Bill's stuff and charts and UFAs. And I, you know, and I kept myself occupied that way. I said, I'll watch the game while I do this stuff. Had it on, and that was, yeah, disastrous. So anyway, part of it is, too, I did put out the chart this morning of all the UFAs, 22 of them for the Bills, one ERFA, equal rights free agent. Um, so you can find that at South Sports. Yeah, I did do that. And we'll wow. get with Matt uh, his thoughts. <laughs> you didn't You didn't make it, huh? God, God I, I wouldn't expect you to. You have to get up way earlier than yeah, I Yeah, no, no, no. I, I watched some of the condensed game back after after <laughs> uh, the, I woke up this morning, but no, no way. Yeah, especially if I had even attempted it, I think, yeah, maybe the second goal. I would have been like, okay, that's all, that's all she wrote. I would have missed the uh, the goal where Clifton just fell down like he's an oh, eight-year-old. Oh, my God. Um. Yeah, that, that would have been the one. Was sure. that? By the way, Joe. Yeah, I don't know if you. I don't know if you saw this because you watched the condensed version. You probably wouldn't have. Yeah, there were like four guys who just outright tripped or fell last night. I. They just there, fell. I, I. There was a couple of those on there. Um. Yeah, they can't even skate anymore. I don't know. Maybe it was the ice. I don't know. It's so bad. It couldn't. It couldn't be worse. You know, we really needed them. You know, Buffalo sports fans. Yeah, didn't we? Like, and for the inevitable <laughs> heartbreak of the Bills probably not winning the Super yes. Bowl when that season ends, it'd be nice to have a hockey team here to distract us a little bit. All right. So the other morning, I went on the Dan Patrick show before this show. I don't know if you know that or not. I didn't like you know. I, I tweeted out of beyond, but I went on Dan Patrick at like nine twenty-five a.m. on Monday. Wanted to talk about the Bills season, and it was a pretty short interview, but you know. It was an honor, obviously, to be on with Dan. But at the end of it, Joe, at the end of the interview with Dan Patrick, and you can find the clip out there, he said to me, he said, well, now that football season's over, does it get colder in Buffalo? He said there's cold, but then there's non-football cold, right? Like when your season is over, however he phrased it. And I kind of laughed, and I said, yeah. I said, you know, Dan, but what normally carries us through, what we'd love to carry us through is having a hockey team that's winning and we don't have to focus on that. That hasn't been the case for 11 to 12 years now, and they currently have the longest playoff drought in the NHL. So, yes, I would say even though we have college basketball and we can go skiing and sledding and do a lot of cool things in Buffalo, you're probably right. It probably gets a little bit colder here when the when the Bills lose, and then obviously yeah. we have nothing for the Sabres to really sink our teeth into. This is this is why Sal and I are in a league that drafts fantasy football in February. <laughs> This is, yes, this is, this is why. Yes, yeah. we do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, we'll do that uh, in a couple of weeks. So yesterday, I just I wanted to make it a point. There's some things I had some notes. Okay, I want to just make sure we talk about this. Like I said to you, the one question I wanted from McDermott was, are you planning on hiring a defensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. His answer to that was, we really haven't gone down that road as far as staff. I get it. I respect it. But we didn't really get any clarity on what he wants to do next year. I wish we could have got more with that, but that's fine. Those things will happen in due time. The other one, as the press conference went on, you know, there's so much talk about he, him wanting a certain style of offense and wanting an offensive coordinator who's a yes man and a puppet to run that certain style of offense. I've personally never believed that. Now, I will tell you just from being around football, being around coaches, coaching Mm -hmm. myself, The head coach is the person who does kind of set the tone in the program and say, I have a philosophy. That's the way it works. But it doesn't mean that they're meddling all the time or they're telling or directing the coordinators. And a lot of times you just can't do that anyway. It's not like you're going into a game and going, you got to run these plays and these plays because the coordinator's got to do his job. And on top of that, from a play-to-play basis, there's just not much time to do things like that. I've never believed that. I have always believed that he does want to be able to run the ball you know, at certain times and believes that that is a very key component in football. So I made sure to ask him, hey, 
when you hire an offensive coordinator, whether it's Joe Brady or someone else, is it someone that needs to do what you want to do? Or is it someone who brings their own ideas, their own offense, and then you say, yep, that fits into what you know our personnel is? And then I stopped and said, let me, because it's always, I, I don't want to, I guess mm-hmm. for me, the challenge sometimes as a reporter, Joe, is I don't want to say to someone who's standing up there, well, you know, fans think this, but I felt it was important in this regard yeah. to say, because Sean, a lot of fans feel you're a defensive coach, you want a conservative offense because of that, and you want to dial it back. And I love the answer he gave, A, because I'm glad he mm-hmm. gave like what he said, but I also think he didn't shy away from it, which was good. And that answer was, I cut my teeth around Andy Reid. I believe in pass first, throw to win, especially where Josh Allen is. Okay, on the heels of that, you tweeted out a chart yesterday. I was a bit confused. I'd like you to kind of explain this to me. What you're saying is, yeah, he was right, right? He did you what? What yeah. you're trying to point out is, yep. McDermott is not being disingenuous. He this is the way they've operated. Is no, that correct? That, that's right. I mean, he even said, or is it the opposite? No, he he even no. It, it is correct. Look what he said. I mean, the evidence backs okay. it up over a four year okay. Okay. over a four year period. Yeah, the chart I tweeted out was. Uh, early down pass frequency in neutral situations, which is, I think, I think kind of the standard around the league for, you know, dissecting who, when, when everything's on the table, when the game is close, when it's not a blowout, you know, because teams will run the ball then, and then your run, you know, efficiency will go up, and all the good teams will look like they're running it. But really they're not, they're just winning more. This is in situations where you can do whatever you want. If the game script doesn't affect it, how often are you choosing to throw the football? And in the last four years, and I'm I'm using McDermott's words as the start of the timeline. I mean, he even said that it really became, you know, more so. It's, paraphrasing their philosophy once Allen, you know, kind of took yes. the step. Yes. Right. Once Allen took the sure. step to and, what and I is. think that's fair. You should do that. I mean, we all – and we're not going to go back to when Tyrod was there. We're not going to sure. go back to – you know. I think that's right. unfair, but I agree with you, and I think that's a, a great way to approach it from your standpoint. So in those four years since Allen's been that, they're the second pass-happiest team in the league, only trailing Kansas City, who he even said – like that's the Andy Reid's the guy I cut my teeth from. So what he's saying isn't wrong, mm-hmm. and I, I followed that up with – so – what we saw this year was really the first stretch of games where they weren't at the top of the league. They were 14th in this area, and for how pass happy they were once Joe Brady took over, 14th. Still not like the bottom of the league, but it is definitely a, a significant drop from top two or three, which they've pretty much consistently been. But if you look at the first half of the year, they were more pass happy under Ken Dorsey, and I, I want to believe him that that is what he wants to be. Because four years of sample, 65 games before the Joe Brady uh, games here, 65 games in a row say they throw the ball all the time. They throw the ball at will. It's what they want to do. They know who their quarterback is. And then I have nine games that say, well, let's let's try to run the ball a little bit more. And I, I think I want to trust the 65 games more than I want to trust the nine games and just hope and assume that the nine games was more a product of we just didn't have we just didn't have it. You know, we were turning the ball over too much, and maybe we missed on a couple of um, assessments of what we had at receiver, um, and we we ended up feeling like this was going to give us a better chance to win. But I don't think that has to mean 
even, you know, pairing that with what McDermott said, Sal, I don't think that has to mean at all that, oh, Joe Brady ran the ball more, so now this is what they are. So I tweeted out the answer from him. I also went and got the clip and put that out there. And I can't tell you how many responses I still got that people think that he's just lying, he's covering, he's disingenuous. I don't know what else to – like, that, that's all we can do, though. We can ask and have it. I just wanted you to say, like, that. It, that's yeah. not the case, really. Like, it, he has actually operated that way. I, I don't know, then, where it comes from. Is it just because people think... just have this thing about defensive coaches? Like, why – so here what you have is yeah. – this is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Here you have the coach answering directly. I don't believe in that. I believe in passing first. I believe in throwing to win. You have a chart from you, and you can have different charts. Anybody can mm-hmm. that prove that, like the show. Yes, that's exactly what he does. But yet, you still have a large portion of this fan base that believes that's not true for some reason. Why is that? I think it's a combination of a sentiment out there, and there have been articles about this. Warren Sharp wrote a piece this year. We forget, you know, that that happened because it was it didn't get as much um, run as Tyler Dunn's did. Um, but Warren wrote a piece that had a lot in it about, you know, the sentiment would have been that Brian Dable was the reason that they threw the ball so much, and then McDermott mm-hmm. was really pushing against that the whole time that Dable was here. Um, so that is already out there in some regard. And two, I think maybe more importantly, I think more of it is just when you are a defensive coach, I think it's hard for anybody to escape that that mantra of, Yes. You know, wanting to be run heavy, wanting to be conservative because it, you know, around the league, it typically is that way, right? Like most defensive coaches, I would say throughout time, have been more skewed in that direction. Um, but McDermott, you know, I want to I want to believe him at his word that that is what he trusts in is throwing the ball. I, he's even if he did push against Brian Dable. And I don't know how true that is or not. He let mm-hmm. Brian Dable be the offensive coordinator for years. He hired Brian Dable, by the way, when Dable wasn't even in his circle. That wasn't like a Carolina retread guy. That was, mm-hmm. you know, the Ravens, Sal, get a lot of credit this year, and I have to, given them some credit, too, for deciding that we need a change in our offense. We need to throw it more with Lamar Jackson. So what are we going to do? Let's go get the best offensive coordinator from college football and they went and got Todd Monken from Georgia. It's exactly mm-hmm. what McDermott did when he got Brian Dable. Let me go get the best offensive coordinator from Alabama because I need to transform my pass game with this new young quarterback. And then they came out the first game with Brian Dable, and, well, I guess the, the second year was really when this happened, but they threw the ball 17 times in a row to open a season. So yeah, I remember that the, I, at the Jets. Yeah. I wonder if McDermott can ever fully escape it. Um, that that mantra, even if you know there isn't a lot of evidence to me, there isn't a ton of evidence to back up that he wants them to become the Tennessee Titans or something. Right. So hey, I mean, look if you if you believe that, if you think that that's the case, you you can. I mean, you have every right to. I, all we can do is ask. He answered what I, I I love his answer for the fact that he actually gave an answer, but. There's the numbers to back up. This is a team that throws the ball first. This is a team that, oh, he did say, and you could take this part of it, I do believe in being two-dimensional, and you do have to run the ball when you need to run the ball, and especially when the weather turns. And it, and he said, and it has a few times here, yeah. or when they're lined up a certain way. So if you take the numbers of how they did become more of a run-oriented team towards the end of the season, and you take yeah. everything he said, and you take your chart, Joe, 
my natural conclusion is I think they were forced to do it because they didn't have the weapons. And I think that's backed up by what he and Brandon Bean said about explosive plays, about what they said about having to get people and even the words player acquisition were used about explosive plays. I think the reason they morphed more into a run-oriented team is not because Sean McDermott fired Ken Dorsey to put a puppet Joe Brady in or went into Joe Brady's office and said, you better run the ball. I think it's because they said, we can't get separation as much as we'd love to do it. It's just going to hurt us. So we got to have an ability to move the ball a bit bit, uh, in a different way. Yeah, I hear that for sure. By the way, one other thing I want to throw in that I'm just thinking now that I thought before on why McDermott is seen as, well, you just want to run it. You want it, the, the conservative nature, um, when there is a lot of evidence to say the contrary. I think another element that could be happening here is almost an optical illusion, if or just an illusion in general, where McDermott for years has talked about in press conferences and you know post-game stuff, for years, he has said and talked about wanting to run the ball better. But a lot of that is because the Bills haven't run the ball well. So you're going to get asked more about the run game just in general, mm-hmm. when you're lo- especially when you lose games, because that's a natural place to look. Well, all right, like, w- wouldn't you like to be better running the ball? And, of course, McDermott's going to say yes. He's not going to say, I don't care about the run game. Versus, why don't you hear him talk about the pass game as often? Because the pass game has worked. So you don't get questions about, hey, what was wrong with the pass game today? You know what I mean? Like, so If the pass game had been struggling, you, you might hear him more often say, yeah, we need to be throwing the ball better. But he doesn't say that because often mm-hmm. they are throwing the ball better. So I, I think that could be a little bit of an illusion here, too, is everyone hears McDermott talk about the run game more over the years, but a lot of that just could be because their run game hasn't been nearly as productive as their past game. Let me give you a quote here. Quote, I'm going to ask you, you tell me who you think said this. We're a week-to-week team. Balance is important if it's working. If one of them is not working, then you better not have too much balance. You better do the other thing more. What do you think? Who do you think said that? I mean, it sounds like a McDermott quote, but... It's Brian Dable. It's Brian Dable. Yeah. Brian Dable said that. Yeah. In November of 2020. Yeah. I think... I I mean, isn't this just what coordinators always say? Brian Dable's never come out and said, oh my God, like, I don't care about running the ball. We need to throw it, baby. Like, we need to become the run-and-shoot Houston Tech... I'm sorry, Houston Oilers. Yeah. Like, that's not... Brian Dable stressed the importance of running the ball when you needed to run the ball. Yeah. No, right. I This is... Yeah, where, where I end up on all this with McDermott is... I. I mean, I I have my issues with some things that he that he has done, game management stuff, you know, over the years and, and other things. But I, I've I and I'll I'll say this too. I have had that worry in the back of my head for years too. I, I don't have it as much anymore because we're so far in now. But I've had that worry for years about you know, does he ever want to get back? Does he ever? I don't want to say get back. Well, I guess they were that when he first showed up because of Tyrod. But does he ever want to get back to? You know, that run-oriented style of offense. Would, would he like, in, in his own personal opinion, to have them be a little bit more of a balanced team? I've always had that thought. I've always had that wonder. They've drafted mm-hmm. running backs, you know, like they want to be that. That is true. Um, but, you know, we're at a point now where 
with Allen being this good, it still really hasn't happened over the course of a full season. So I guess like next year will be another, you know, we'll see if the proof is where the pudding is of, okay, they did run it more, but are they going to get back to what they've been? Again, I want to believe them that they, that they, they may, they just think they missed maybe on some of these things, you know, when it comes to receiver, maybe they thought Gabe Davis was going to be more consistent for them as a number two over the last two years. They, I'm sure they thought they were getting more out of Deontay Hardy on offense when they paid him. Maybe they thought they were getting more out of Sherfield. Maybe they thought 12 personnel would be a little bit more smooth. Maybe they didn't think James Cook would drop five passes, you know, in a in a in an eight game stretch. So, you know, they they might have wanted their pass game to really still be their bread and butter. I, I don't think they might have predicted that they would have ended up at the end of the year not being able to throw the ball down the field. And they sounded like two men yesterday to me, that that want to get back to that, to know that that was part of their downfall, mm-hmm. and that they're not they're not sitting on their hands and and being okay with it. I, I I love that. I think you made some great points. And one thing you just said right there that we should investigate and talk about is if you're gonna think that, then why have they drafted two running backs with early round picks, and they mm-hmm. have not drafted receivers other than a pass catcher. And Dalton Kincaid. So we'll talk about what Brandon Bean said about that. Take a look at the roster and where they go from here. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Jody Biasi, give us a call on the Extra Point Show. 803-0550 here rolling on a Wednesday on WGR Sports Radio 550's Extra Point Show. Where we're at with it, I feel like, you know, we've been kind of in that position last year, this season, a little bit again, and then going into next season with the amount of free agents that we do have on our roster. So every year you've got to start over. Every year you have to evaluate your roster. We're in the process of just starting that this morning. Every year is a challenge, right, to figure out how to put it back together again to get yourself in position to win. Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, post-season presser. That was yesterday down at One Bills Drive. You can find that audio on demand at W550.com. Let's get connected with our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Steve in Texas. Hi, Steve. What's going on? How's it going, Sal? Uh, you know, I just wanted to say, first of all, thanks for, you know, the season you guys all put in. Um I'm a golf pro and I, you know, I know what it's like when you're in a season and you're putting in all the hours and you guys have definitely uh, kept me company in the mornings this year. And, you know, it's just a tough way to go out. You know, it's call from mom, answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It was rough, but, you know, my, my main, you know, point after, you know, dissecting all the tiny little things that happened in the game, but, you know, inevitably on that last drive, you know, to me, the, the entire game plan was we're not going to give the ball back to Kansas City and we're going to eat up all the clock and we're going to score and leave them no time. And they got down there, you know, and you get sub two minutes. And, you know, it, it, nothing about that last sequence told me that we're in four down territory and we're going to, you know, we're not going to accept kicking a field goal because they haven't been able to stop Kansas City the whole game. You know, fourth and nine, low probability, but I don't think they ever should have been in that position. And either way, you know, I I still would have rather seen them go for it. I mean, we have Josh Allen. You know, I'd rather die right there than trot and bass out there and then just give the ball back to KC because the defense, I don't think they were going to stop them anyway. So, you know, I just... So so overall, overall, you're just saying you're... Your overall point is you thought they should have gone for it on fourth and nine. Well, I I do, but I feel like they weren't, you know, it seemed like Josh took that throw because he knew they weren't, go, they, he was going to kick. Like he, he. Which, they, which throw, which throw, the, the throw away? Yeah. Okay. Well, th- this is th- Sal. This is a play I've actually broke down or yep. lo- been watching consistently over the last day because I do think the second down play is is getting more you know run, and I, I think for good reason because that that one's more debatable, right? You have the digs underneath, which might get you a first versus how can you blame Josh Allen? I, I don't think it is. What's the- I don't think it is. You don't think it's debatable? I don't, I, maybe it's more debatable. Maybe maybe it's more debatable because I, of what you're going to say. No, I'll, I'll piggyback on that in a second. I, I, this is a really, really good conversation. It was really dominating a little bit of even the media room yesterday. Why don't you yeah. go ahead on the third down first, yeah. and then I'll go back, piggyback on the second the down. The third down play is the one that I'm more hot about because I wonder about what was in Allen's head on that play. Did he have it in his head that the field goal was okay to attempt there with a minute 40 left on the clock? And the reason I even wonder that is there's two different passes that could have been made here that would have got the 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 would have got it to fourth and short. I don't know that he sees Shakir right off the the hop, but Shakir runs a sticker out for like six seven yards, and it's there. The corner has backed off. He's giving Shakir that route, and maybe even Shakir turns and gets the first. I might predict no because his back's turned, but either way, he could get it to fourth and short to Shakir. Okay, so doesn't do that. So now. Allen escapes the pocket, and as he's rolling right, he is staring at Dalton Kincaid and actually pump fakes to Dalton Kincaid, who is open in the middle of the field, but again, it's for like six yards, and by the time he catches it, the odds are he's not going to get the first. Allen doesn't throw the ball there either, and then, now he's out of options, and and he doesn't throw the hero ball past the digs, which would have put it in, in risk, maybe it would have got picked. Um, it basically just would have been a jump ball to Diggs. He decided instead to throw the ball away, which is not a very Josh Allen-like move, you know? For what could be your final pass of the season to be a throwaway, let's give Mahomes a minute 40 on the clock to go kick a field goal. And what I wonder is, 
you know, this is all guesswork. I don't know about any about this, but was was it ingrained in him during the two minute warning that hey, a field goal is okay here? Because the second down play would not say that. But to me, the third down play, it is a little strange to me that he had two opportunities to get it to fourth and short. But maybe, you know, maybe it's just the heat of the moment. You just, you know, you're looking for reads. Maybe you think there's more down the field. It could have just been that. Or part of my wonder is, did he think that this is, I I don't want to, essentially, I don't want to get to fourth and three because then I am kicking the field goal. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to figure out what was going on in Josh's Mm -hmm. head that he passed on the Kincaid route, especially over the middle. I like all that, and I think you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, but, but is it is it a bad thing? I guess if you say, "Look, we are in field goal range. Just don't make a mistake." Like, well, we, we we want to we want if we can, if we can get this, that'd be great. So he's rolling out. Let's think of the night before. What did Jordan Love do? Right? I mean, seriously, yeah. like that ended their season. Yeah, he's at least giving a chance to not end the season. And I think you're right, Joe. For better or for worse, he was probably told, and I don't know this, but he was probably told, we have a shot at a field goal, just don't make a mistake. Like, make sure we live to at least have that. And Josh probably wanted the, wanted more than that, and that was evidenced by the second down, which I'll go back to. Mm. I don't think there's much debate on the second down play. I'm sorry, everybody. I think all this talk about you got to run the clock down and score, there's no guarantee you're going to score. None. He had – people say Stefan Diggs was open. You know who else was open? Khalil freaking Shakir for a touchdown. Right. So he threw it to him, and he couldn't get into the throw because Deion Dawkins was getting pushed back by Chris Jones. I think it was a, it was the right decision to throw to Khalil Shakir. So what if you score a touchdown with a minute and 20 left? I know you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side. He still has to go down and score. There is no guarantee. The Chiefs just fumbled at the one-yard line the drive before that. There's no guarantee. He had Khalil Shakir for a touchdown. He tried to take it. Zero issue with that. I don't care about Stefan Diggs and where he was, to be quite honest with you, on that play. On your play, I agree with you that that's probably what he was told. Yeah. And I just think he probably said, I can't make a mistake here. See, and that's where I, I almost I have a bigger issue with that. On the third down play. The second down play, I mean, if he did throw it to Diggs, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But, right, I have no expectation that Josh Allen's going to pass on a touchdown that is open um, in that spot. There's no expectation that he should pass on that. For me, I don't love the idea of being okay with kicking a field goal there. I think the moment, most likely, the moment Bass takes a step on the field, even if he makes it, you're probably losing that football game. The way the day has gone, the Chiefs have moved the ball at will on mm-hmm. most of their drives. And we have played this team. You've seen them in 13 seconds get to field goal range. What do you think the odds are of them getting to field goal range with two timeouts and a minute 40 on the clock? Like, I wouldn't have thought the Bills would have won. And even if they so let, let, let me let you, hold on. Let me go to Steve's point then. Do you think they should have gone for it after the second down miss? I'm sorry, after the third down miss. So Steve's point is not I, only when Steve calls here, he says he's yeah. he's talking like you are in the same way, but he also says you get to fourth and nine, you go for it then because of everything you're saying as well. For me, that would have been close. For me, that would have been close. That's why I so badly would have wanted Kincaid on that play because for me, fourth and two, yeah, fourth and two is all right, baby. Let's go get that. Let's go. Let's go get the first. And now we're gonna not let Mahomes get the ball back. Now our worst case scenario is we're gonna kick a field goal with less time on the clock, and we're we're going to overtime right. because right fourth and nine. 
You know, I don't even need, I don't even want the the win probability stuff that's out there. I'm sure it is. For for fourth and nine, what I'm doing in my head now is okay. What's more likely that I'm going to get the fourth and nine, or I'm going to kick the field goal? I'm go or I got to make the yep. field goal in the first place for a kicker who's been a little rocky lately. So I got to make that kick. Then I got to stop an offense that I haven't really stopped all day, other than a turnover. Um, and they did make the one stop before that, so I shouldn't say at all. But for the most part, they've moved the ball on me. I What's my odds of stopping them from getting to field goal range? And even if I get both of those things to go my way, the field goal and I somehow stop them, that is just to get to a 50-50 chance in overtime. I'm doing all mm-hmm. of that just to get to a coin flip. And I again, fourth and nine, though, is not a high probability, which is why I'm not as sure you know, what I would do there. It's why, though, I so badly would have wanted to see 4th and 2 or 4th and 3 there and Allen to take Kincaid over the middle, knowing he's probably not going to get the first down. But now, let me give my coach a real decision. Because the way McDermott has operated in the past few weeks, I might want to predict McDermott would have gone for that. McDermott knows his opponent. McDermott knows right. what that game's looked like. McDermott and the coaching staff went for the fake kick or the, the fake punt. So they clearly know how mm-hmm. the game is going, that they can't give the Chiefs any opportunity. I, I would have liked to see, you know, it, it's really nitpicky because Allen, again, is scrambling and it, it's the play's happening quickly. But my, that's why so badly I would have wanted to see them put him to put his coach in a spot to make a decision there. Let's see what Jim and Wilson has to say. Go ahead, Jim. Hey, good, uh, good morning, guys. Real quick, and I, I lost a little yep. bit of it talking to the screener. You might have touched on this. But I think if you know Sean McDermott and you follow the Bills, I'm going to guess that at the two-minute warning, it was more like you guys were saying, we're okay with the field goal here, let's not make a mistake. Versus, I think if you said to Allen, and we don't know this, but I'm guessing, hey, we're going for the touchdown here, let's try to cut this in half, using the mentality of we're in four-down territory, kind of like Joe was saying right there before you picked up. I think if that's the mentality coming out of that timeout, I think Josh takes those checks, that, that one of those two, whether it's Shakir or um, Kincaid, knowing if he gets it to fourth and two or fourth and three, they're going for it, and that gives them a better chance. And I think, Sal, you're right. He wanted more, and he just ran out of options. Once he passed on Kincaid, now right. he's on the sideline, there's nothing left, and he doesn't want to throw that interception, so he throws it away. I think that's just a mindset coming out of that two-minute warning. That's my opinion from what I saw, and I think it's kind of along the line of what Joe was just saying. Yeah. It I is. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Thanks. Also, talk like it's a sure thing that that happened. You know, like I. I wonder. Maybe it did. Um, it is also. Well, I want to remind everybody that the two minute warning play was before the before the second down though. Before Joe. the second down play. So, right. so what I mean is like, it's a, yeah. okay, they had the two minute warning. They come out of second down. He goes for the touchdown. He went for the touchdown after the two minute warning. Right. Whatever discussion was had on the sidelines. There was nothing that said don't go for the touchdown because he did, and that and that, right, and that's where you know it is. Of course, and it's one play. There were sixty plays in this game, and the only reason we break down the final you know set of downs like this is because it's how the season ended, right? Like it's it's the yes. final set of downs. It's why we were going to have a microscope on it, you know, at least for days here. Maybe we do it all off season. Um, it is very possible that Allen just did think something was going to open up down the field, you know. 
He it, it doesn't have yeah. to be that. Well, I, I, you know, I don't trust my coach that he's going to go for it on fourth. It doesn't have to be that. Well, I'm okay with a field goal here. I wonder if that could be the case. Um, but you know, as I watch the play again, I'm, I'm the only thing I'm trying to see like what did he think was about to open up? Like that. That is that's where I get to as well on that third down play, and then he throws it away, and you know. Do I want him to make a hero ball pass there? Again, depends how you think about your chances. I I don't think I'm not confident at all that they were going to stop the Chiefs. So, you know, for me, an interception isn't all that different than the field goal attempt. But again, that's that's how it's for your own opinion, how likely you thought they were to get a stop from the Chiefs and then end up winning the game. Because for me, I mean, if you I do think, kick the field goal and it's good, you still they still do have to make the plays to get down there. Anything can happen. You could bat a ball in the air and intercept it. Right. The Chiefs. I know. There. I mean, anything yeah. can happen. You. I don't think. I. I don't think you can go into the mentality of, well, I mean, we just can't take the field goal here because we just can't stop them. I understand that, but at fourth and nine, that is a really tough call. And I'm not. I. I I'll listen to you. Should maybe go for it. I get it. But I don't think you can just all automatic, automatically assume well, that they're going to go down and score on you anyway, because you you, yeah. you do have to make them do it. Well, let me let me ask you this question: and if would anything be different in terms of how we're talking about the game if they had made the field goal and then the Chiefs drove down and kicked their own field goal to win? Would anything be, be all that different? Yeah, people would call up and say they should have gone for it on fourth and nine. You knew they were going to score, right? I mean, that's what yeah. would happen. There's no doubt. I, I, I think so. He, what's, what's amazing, though, Joe, is after all this talk we're having about these last two plays, Yeah, I take the biggest issue with the first down run to James Cook. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That, you know, cause I right? Like, like, yeah. Okay, so, so Sherfield gets, gets a first down on a third and four. Yep. Little yep. stick route. Bam, right? Gets yep. it. Okay. Set up first and 10, 27-yard line, 242 left. I'm thinking, my immediate thought is, okay, baby, quarterback draw. You Just keep the ball in Josh's hands. Let him get, you know, mm-hmm. four yards. Make it second and six. I'm thinking quarterback draw. I just don't know how you turn around and hand the ball to James Cook there, especially since they had not run the ball at all very well in the right. second half. And literally two plays before that, James Cook up the middle for no gain. Right. Yeah, it hadn't been working. They had, they had figured it out. No. They had, they had figured it out, especially on that drive. I yep. mean, didn't didn't Cook have a couple runs that went for negative yardage earlier in that drive? There was one that went for like negative six. Yep. That Not that in. drive, but yes. Okay. Er, that, that's the one that went for no gain two plays earlier that drive. Er, yeah. The drive before that, that is the case. That is correct. I, I, yeah. I thought... To, to me, they should have never been in the situation they were in if they don't hand the ball to James Cook on first and 10. And that's not a James Cook problem. That's a fact that they right. had been getting stopped so badly in the run game by handing it off. Right. No, I, wa- I want the ball in my quarterback's hand every chance I can get at the end there. Yep. Because, right, like Allen, and even if it's Allen running, you know, the, the Allen running play is as effective, if not more effective, than their typical run game. Right. And that's been true for years. And especially at that point in the game, you know, I, I want to trust Allen there. I want to trust Allen, too, that... You know, maybe there's an opportunity, of course, for him to scramble. Those are some of their biggest plays. He had to hit the Chiefs for a couple of those. You just have so many more, you know, openings to get to get yardage when you throw the ball because of Allen's ability to run, escape. Um, I, I agree. Like, as much as I, I'm kind of breaking down the third down play here a lot because, you know, I do, I really wanted to see that pass made to Kincaid. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree with you that my biggest issue in the three set of downs is the first down play. I think the reason maybe we're just not talking about it is because I think everybody might agree that everybody has a problem with the first down play. <laughs> yeah, and and because it obviously didn't have – it was before the two-minute warning. There's time, and right. you know we're so focused on the other things. The last thing I'll say before we hit a break here about the Shakir play I want to go back to. And I still I've, – I've heard people say, I can't believe it. Like, you don't go you, – you don't you know, throw there. You throw to Stefan Diggs. You gave me a hypothetical. I'll give you one. I'll give everybody else one. What if Khalil Shakir is just literally standing in the end zone, blown coverage, waving his arms? And are you not yeah. supposed to throw it to him? Any thought that says you got to run the clock down, you can't score that early. Well, really? I mean, like, if you have a chance to score, you score. Because otherwise you're saying, I don't care how open he is, you don't throw it to him. And he was open. Yeah. Go look at the dots that were put out on the play. Go look at that yeah. and see how open he was. It's incredible. And the, the trackers of the players with the dots, I mean. Yeah, because you're going up four, especially. I, I, yes. I, I want yes. the tu- I, I'm okay with the touchdown. I'm good with the touchdown. I'm, I'm not so against you know Diggs being a good play there as well because I do think you're eliminating. No, I agree. You're, you're making it more. But you don't outright just eliminate Shakir from the end zone because of that. Yeah, basically, this is why I'm a little bit more on the fence for it. Even though, in like for sure, I'm good with the Shakir touchdown. I would prefer it. And yeah, if he's waving his hands in the end zone, you're throwing the ball to Khalil Shakir every time. Um, that what what would happen is if you score the touchdown, you are increasing your chances of winning in regulation, but you're you're also increasing your chances of losing in regulation. I think right versus if you get the first down, I think you are you are decreasing your chance. Of course, because you don't have a touchdown, you don't know you're going to score. You're decreasing your chance of winning in regulation. But you're also increasing your chance of going to overtime, I think, because you're leaving Mahomes. And in that way, you can almost frame that as conservative, right? Of well, yeah. um, let me let me increase my chance of going to overtime here, but by not scoring the touchdown. And I don't necessarily love the way that sounds. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Matt Bove at eleven oh five a.m. We'll uh, get his thoughts on that and the Sabers last night. See what he thinks about their situation. I want to talk about Brandon Bean and you know his comments about explosive players and how the roster is constructed as well here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. You need to create explosive plays. If you look at and you study the game, that's when you look at scoring points. Usually a scoring drive has baked into it an explosive run or an explosive pass. Sean McDermott right there from yesterday. Let's go quickly out to Chris in Lancaster. Hi, Chris. You're on WGR. Hey, Sal. Uh, Thanks, guys, for taking the call. You know, a few minutes ago, you guys were talking about McDermott's philosophy on offense. And I have a really, what I think is an interesting point to make, um, two points. Number one, I really believe that when the Bills were 6-6, and if there was ever a point in time where he was on the hot seat, Sean McDermott was when we were six and six. And I think that fans across Buffalo had felt that Sean McDermott had a real tight leash on Josh Allen. And he was under so much pressure. This is, of course, a theory. He was under so much pressure. Maybe he was never on the hot seat, but if there ever was a time, that was it. That he had to finally say to Josh, look, I'm going to unleash you. You, you are a high-risk, high-reward, freak-of-nature, athletic quarterback. 
and I think it was no coincidence that when they were 6-6, six and six, they all of a sudden won six games in a row. The second point, and I heard this stat yesterday, that in the last four playoff games that we lost, exited out, three against KC, one against Cincy, we forced six punts. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, we had no, no sacks. I don't believe we had any hurried, any hurried passes by Mahomes. And to me, they were credited with they were credited with two, which is very, very low. Okay, okay, yeah. fair enough. And to me, and and then I'll stop here. He is just, and again, I heard I heard Phil Sims at halftime say they are not being aggressive on defense. Now we could say they had injuries, but this is four years in a row that when we exit out. He plays that soft defense, no pressure on the quarterback, and I just don't believe he's going to get us to the promised land. He stopped short, and I, I, I kind of wanted to hear what you guys think. I'm not trying to do this to, to be overly critical, but he is just not a go-for-the-throat guy. Defensively, all the second half we looked so good, and then he shuts down in the last game, and he did it again since he last year. And the two KC games we went out the two years before that. Curious to see what you guys think. Am I like I, off my rocker here, or am I onto something? I, I don't know. I think there's so much nuance involved, right? I mean, no, I don't think he suddenly just changed philosophies. And I think I do think the injuries mattered last year for sure. Leslie Frazier, those kinds of things. First of all, Chris, I will tell you, I don't think at all that Sean McDermott was ever on the hot seat six and six or otherwise. I'm just letting you know that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair I enough. I don't think so either. I, I mean, if he ever right. How do you even phrase it? Like, if he ever was going to be on the hot seat, that would have been the time, and I don't think he was. So, sure. those numbers are alarming. I don't know. Do you think? I, mean, okay, I want to at least at least give Chris some space here for the question of has he been has he was has he been less aggressive? Was he less aggressive in this game? And is that his mo when he gets to the playoffs on defense? I don't know. I do think the injuries did matter on what you could do. You have AJ Klein starting at Mike linebacker, not Terrell Bernard, right? I mean, like you you got it. You don't have Christian Benford. You have a hobbled Rasul Douglas. You kind of got to give them a little bit of help. So, Chris, I, hmm. with respect, that you might be right. I, I do think circumstance matters. Yeah, I do have a thought quickly because I know we're late to break. Um, yeah. Steven Ruiz from The Ringer had a breakdown of the Bills' defense before the season that kind of mm-hmm. th- that's in my mind thinking about this. When he broke down that – the Bills, the way they play defense, and the way they have played defense, I know this year was a little different, McDermott is a DC, that they are amazing at just smothering average to bad quarterbacks on a consistent basis. But when you get the elite guys, they are capable of picking it apart. They are they are much more capable of having a great day. There aren't these wrinkles that some other defenses have. And the other thought I have is Patrick Mahomes in that Netflix documentary last year when talking about the Bills and the Bengals. Like he said, I yeah, think the Bills did. are a better matchup for us. So I don't know. Is there something to it? I, I I'll I'll say this. Four elimination games, and I could put those stats together. That as the as the evidence mounts, it's a little harder and harder, I think, to to argue that there isn't at least something to, you know, when they get against these great quarterbacks in the playoffs that they're they're not showing their best. For sure, and uh, the D-line, for sure, did not show up either of the last two years, and this one was more disappointing because they weren't banged up. And, you know, that's not, I don't know, did they not do enough stunts 
Is that the aggressive part? I, I mean, you got you got to also win your battles, and they certainly didn't. So, yeah, there's a there's a good discussion for that. We'll take a timeout. Matt Bove, WKBW TV Channel Seven Sports Director, on the other side here on WGR. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.